Well, this morning we're going to conclude our series that we've been doing on the book of James. For the entire month of September, we have focused our attention and asked God to speak to us through this one book in the Bible found in the New Testament by a guy named James. This book is a unique book in the Bible, unlike any other book in the Bible, because James has a very unique perspective and insight on Jesus. James was the brother of Jesus. And so you have to imagine what that must be like for someone to sit down and write a letter to a church, not all that unlike this one, to try and and speak into the, the life and the way of Jesus, which was someone he actually had grown up with. And it wasn't until after Jesus' death and resurrection that James himself not only saw Jesus as the Savior of the world, but the Savior of his world. And so about a decade after the events of the cross and the empty tomb, James writes this letter that we have been focusing our attention on. And we are now in the last week in James chapter 5. And James really is asking us a question this morning that I'd love for every one of us to consider. And it's simply this. What if I told you that you could have a very real effect on the trajectory of someone's life simply by one thing that you do? What if I were to told you that you, you could actually spare someone's life from significant pain or hurt just by one small thing that you choose to do? What if I told you that that's not something just reserved for experts, but that everyday ordinary people like you and me actually have the power and potential to literally speak into the direction and trajectory of someone's life? What if I were to tell you that were actually possible for every single one of us to do today? You can literally change someone's life by something that you and I choose to do, but oftentimes find hard to do. What we're going to look at in James chapter 5 today is an invitation that James gives every one of us here to speak into difficult or hard things in people's lives. To speak, at times, hard truth into someone's life that has the power and potential to literally save their life or save them from a life that's far from the one God created them for. What if I were to tell you that's something you and I could actually do today? But it all comes down to this choice of whether or not we're willing to speak sometimes difficult truth, something that none of us really necessarily love to do. In fact, I want to show you what I mean. I want us to take a little quiz. We're going to take a little quiz right now about how well we do when it comes to speaking hard or maybe awkward truth. All of us can play along. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to give you a scenario, and I want you to turn to the person next to you, whether you're here or in Overflow. If you're watching online at Starbucks, just start talking to the person next to you. And I would love for you to answer this question, how well you do when it comes to this scenario. So is this something that you quickly do? Is this something you stall at doing? Or is this something you avoid doing? Okay, so that's it. Are you quick to do this, slow to do this, or do you avoid to do this? Here's the scenario. Now we're going to start fairly easy, common ground, okay? Someone that you work with at work has absolutely terrible breath. (laughs) Like, really bad. And it's 9 a.m. in the morning, and it's already bad. They haven't even had coffee yet. And so you're having a conversation with this person first thing in the morning, and they have really bad breath. Now, here's the thing. Just be honest. I know you're in church, and you want to sound like spiritual, like you have the right answer. Just be honest. Do you tend to tell that person quickly? Do you tend to kind of avoid telling them? Or do you just literally turn around and walk the other way? 
So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and answer that question. When it comes to someone who just has bad breath, something as simple as that, how quick are you to speaking the truth? Again, we're going to start, we're going to kind of start right here. We're going to move in a little bit deeper. Trust me, we're going to open the Bible here in a minute. But just by show of hands, just show hands, how many people, uh, the person you just talked to had really bad breath? No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's not helpful. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right, one more. Simple. Again, this is simple stuff. This actually happened to me this week. Same guy. Poor guy. Really bad breath. And he has like a piece of bagel or lettuce stuck in his teeth. Okay, so you can see it clearly, and you're talking to them, again, keeping a safe distance because of the breath, but you can see it. Do you say something to them? Go ahead, just turn to the person next to you. You're the kind of person that would tell them they got something in their teeth. All right. Hey, maybe take this as an opportunity while you're talking to the person to ask them if you actually do right now. Just give them a smile and ask them. All right. That actually happened to me this last week. I was in the middle of meeting some people and talking to them here at the church, and Lizzie, who works with us, had to pull me aside, and she's like, you've got a tooth, buddy. And so she had to like tell me I had a little guy hanging on for breakfast. So I appreciate that she told me that. I appreciate she told me that. All right, now I'm not going to have you actually share the answers to this one with the person next to you, but I want you to seriously think and consider some of these scenarios. Let me just run by, and I want you to think about, are you someone who tends to speak the truth quickly, or tends to stall, or tends to avoid it altogether? A friend of yours that you know, every time that you're talking or hanging out, you're out at dinner, maybe even here at church, is constantly distracted with their phone. And you try and have a meaningful, significant conversation with them, and they're like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah I know, I'm going to get right to that. Yeah, and, and they don't even realize or recognize that they're doing it. And at some level, you can kind of understand or put up with it, but at some level, it kind of hurts because you want their attention. Now, just think about it. You don't have to share it. How quickly do you speak the truth into that scenario? Let's push in a little bit further. You have a friend uh, who's working way too hard. And in fact, every time you see this person, they're exhausted or they're grumpy or grouchy. All they want to talk about is how much they either can't stand putting these hours in or they don't really have a life anymore because they're just working way too hard. And you look at the pace of their life and you realize it is unsustainable. And in fact, they are robbing themselves of the life God created them to live by working too much. Do you say something? How do you say it? Last one. You have a friend that you go out with. And every time you guys go out, you love to have a good time. But you've noticed that this person tends to drink too much. And there's something about, you know, having fun. And then there's a line of responsibility. And this person tends to cross it just about every time. And there have been enough times now where you've noticed this isn't just a one-time thing or a one-off thing. I think this person has a problem. What do you do? What do you say? How do you say it? And what what we're going to look at here in the passage today is what happens when you do? What happens when in those difficult situations and scenarios in our life where only truth and sometimes hard truth can be spoken... What do you do, and how do you do it, and 
what happens when we actually do. The power that we can actually have in someone else's life. So let's turn together, if we would, to James chapter 5. We're going to look at James chapter 5. Uh, we say this every week. If you didn't bring a Bible, don't own a Bible, you can grab the blue Bibles, which are right in front of you, and turn to page 849 in the blue Bible. We'd ask that everyone to grab a Bible, pull it out, and here's the reason why. Grab a pen, too. We think this is transformational teaching for our lives. So if you would, please grab a Bible, open to James 5. It's on page 849 in the blue Bible. If you don't own a Bible and you, you've come here and you're serious about growing in your faith, please hear this from us. We want you to take this Bible home with you today. It's one of our gifts to you. We believe this is transformational truth for our life. And the stuff we're going to talk about, you're going to want to go back and read on your own this afternoon. So if you don't own a Bible, please take this Bible with you today when you leave. And feel free to write in these Bibles as well. James chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 19 and 20. These are the last two verses of the book of James. We're ending on the last thought that James has. Most of us, when we end emails, or if you happen to write letters anymore, we tend to end with nice thoughts. Thanks so much. Can't wait to see you. Have a great summer. Stay cool. Whatever you want to say at the end of your letter. Not James. James goes out swinging. He's giving us an idea and a picture of a faith that works right up to the very last word. And this is what James says. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the way of error will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. If, James is saying, if, brothers and sisters, you see someone who is strained from God, who is literally caught up in sin, or is at least walking down that path and you see it, there is an expectation, obligation upon you to say something, because whoever turns a sinner, now look, this is what's possible, whoever turns a, a sinner or someone caught in that sort of pattern, heading down that path from that way, could literally save them from death, or save them at the very least from a life less than what God created them for, and can cover over, can literally help them avert and avoid a multitude of other sins. It seems to be that God has placed us in people's lives at a moment where we have an opportunity, an invitation to step in and speak up. It's as though James, we're basically saying if he had to sum it all up, you can sum that whole passage up by just this simple thought. If you see something, say something. Let's say that together, in fact. If you see something, say something. I know that sounds like a public service announcement, but it actually comes from the Bible, so they stole it from here. If you see something in someone's life, say something. Because you have no idea where you might be literally catching them on one more step down a path that could lead them to a life either very far from God or a life of pain and unnecessary hurt and destruction in their life. If you see something, say something. And James would add, because when you do, you just might save someone. See something, say something, because you just might save someone. Now, it's very important that we look at who James is talking to in this passage. Let's bring it back here for a second. I want you to speak these words, the first couple words back to me. What does James say? He says, my brothers and sisters, okay? My brothers and sisters. Now, who, who's he talking to? He's not just talking to his immediate earthly family. He is talking to the family of God. My brothers and sisters, my friends, my beloved community, people of the way of Jesus, we have a commitment to each other. 
And he says, if any one of who? You should wander from the truth. So he's talking literally and very specifically to Christians about Christians. And that's worth writing down and making note of. James is speaking to Christians about Christians. Now, certainly not everything in the Bible has to speak just specifically to Christians. But this is one of those passages that does. It speaks literally, if one of you, brothers and sisters, family of God, if one of you should wander from the truth, should begin to fall away from God and slip down that slippery slope of sin, if one of you. And for those of us who are here this weekend and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet, you're maybe investigating, you're exploring, a friend brought you, you're here today, and you probably have spiritual questions, you're wondering, listen, this is actually good news for you because you're off the hot seat today. You actually get to come to church and hear a message that is incredibly helpful, and these are principles that you can actually literally apply to your life, but God doesn't expect you to hold this standard. Just want you to hear that that's actually very freeing. In fact, some of you who wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet, you're trying to check out the God thing, maybe you've been a part of a conversation like this before. You've had to speak a hard truth to a friend. Maybe you've been a part of an intervention where a group of you got together and had to speak a really hard truth and sit Bob down on the couch and say some really hard things to him. You know how hard that can be. Do you know that without maybe even realizing it, you participated in the principle of God without even knowing it, and one that God doesn't even expect you to hold? So for those of us who wouldn't call ourselves Christians, this is one where you can kind of take the best of this and apply it to your life. But for those of us who are, God's holding us to a different standard. Brothers and sisters, if any one of you should see something, you must say something because you have no idea the power that that can have in saving someone's life. It's very important we understand who James is speaking to here because the problem is with many Christians is that we've missed the point of who God is talking to in this principle. Sadly, what Christians have become great at is yelling our truth at everyone else. We're great at telling everyone else what they're doing wrong and how they're wandering away from God. We not only yell, we will scream at them. We'll make nice creative signs to tell them about it. Christians have become notorious for yelling our truth at outsiders and very poor at speaking truth to insiders. Why is it that for so many Christians, it's so much easier to judge someone out there over there than to speak loving, hard truth to someone right next to you who is a brother and sister? We don't need to worry about winning our schools back for God. You don't need to worry about winning this country back for God. You need to work at winning your brother and sister back to God who has wandered from him. That's the invitation. And honestly, that's the expectation of anyone who says they're a follower of Jesus and a part of the family of God. If any one of you, brothers or sisters, should wonder, if you see something, say something. As I've thought about the people I've seen in my life who model this really well, people who, certainly for whom it doesn't necessarily come all that easy, but they're committed to this principle, taught in James and taught actually throughout the Bible, from many different authors and writers and contributors to the Bible, same principle throughout the scriptures that if you see something, you say something because you might just save someone in the process. I thought about those passages of scriptures throughout the course of the Bible and the people in my life who've actually done this really well. I thought about, God, what is it that they have 
in common? What is it, God, that they seem to understand that, God, you want to teach me? And so I wrote a couple of these down. You might want to write them down as well. But th- these are some thoughts on folks that speak the truth in love really well. This is kind of what they look like or what they do. People who speak that truth, who say something in love well, they oftentimes speak it promptly. I've noticed in my life that people who I trust to do this and who do this well speak the truth promptly, immediately, as quickly as possible. I remember when I first started in um, working for a church, I'd gone to school and studied what it meant to be a pastor, and I'd landed my first job at a church, so I was finally getting paid to be a Christian. I thought, that's a great deal. And so there I am working at a church, and I, I didn't know which end was up, and I'm 23 years old, and I'd been given a project by my boss at that time. He wanted me to kind of rethink a big strategy that we were doing, and it was a big thing that he entrusted to me, a pretty big thing. And so I had to come back and present to our whole team, this is what I think we should do, and this is how I think we should change it, and here's the steps we're going to do. Well, the truth was, I honestly didn't really think about it until the day before I had to make the presentation. And let's be really honest, it was the night before. So then I kind of put some thoughts together, and I threw them together, and, you know, came there the next day and made this big presentation to our team, and, you know, thought I did a really great job. I kind of got them laughing. I got them thinking about some stuff, and even had handouts, and I thought that's pretty good for just a couple hours. And so I felt pretty good about myself. After the meeting was over, my boss said, hey, Jared, can I talk to you for a minute? I'm like, yeah, you can. I know what you want to say. You're welcome. <laughs> you don't even have to say it. And I think you know that's not what he wanted to talk about. He goes, can we go for a walk? He used the phrase, let me take you out by the back of the barn. We didn't even have a barn, but I was like, oh boy, this is not going to be good. And he said, Jared, you know, I want to tell you something. I see a lot of potential in you. I see a lot of giftedness in you. But I also see propensity in you to put off responsibility to the last possible minute and hope that you can wing it. And I want to let you know, God deserves better than that. And the people you work with deserve better than that. And I don't ever want you to show up and do a presentation like that again. Now, I'm telling you, my first thought was, I'm never going to walk with you again. That was my first thought. But what I noticed was he came to me immediately afterwards before there was time for any other thoughts to get formed in his head or any other thoughts to get formed in my head. He walked with me. As you're going to see here in a second through some of these principles, he walked with me and said a hard truth. And here's the deal. I'm going to be really honest with you. He was right. That has been a struggle my whole life, and it's something I continue to work on to this day. And clearly his words had power in my life because I'm telling you the story today. You never know the power of truth spoken in a timely manner. You simply don't know. All you need to do is be faithful to speak it. If you see something, say something. Those I've seen who do this well, take that principle taught in Matthew 5, 23, 24, where Jesus is talking about if there's any indifference between you or another brother or sister. It's the words Jesus used. The same language as his brother James. If there is anything between you or a brother or sister, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23, and 24, stop singing Put your hands down. Go and talk to that person immediately. Jesus says, leave your gift at the altar. Go and reconcile it immediately. These people who do this well, speak the truth well, they speak it promptly and they take that principle of Matthew 5, 23 and 24 and they don't wait because they know that truth spoken at the right time is like a choice fruit, as the Proverbs say. But a a truth that goes unspoken 
grows sour and rotten on the vine and becomes a lot harder for someone to swallow later. So we have an invitation, an opportunity, in fact, an expectation from God to speak the truth and love promptly, quickly, to not wait for someone else to do it, to not delay, but to be faithful to the prompting that God puts on us. The people I've seen in my life who do this really well, they take the teachings of Scripture and they apply it in a way by speaking the truth in love privately. Scriptures are very clear about this. The Bible has a lot to say about gossip, a lot to say about gossip. And what is gossip? Gossip is me not wanting to tell you the truth about yourself, so I'm going to tell it to others. Gossip is me wanting to delight and actually gain something for myself at your loss and expense. And those who speak the truth and love well speak it privately. They do it quickly and promptly, and they go straight to the person. They don't try and build a little coalition and get people kind of on their side. Have you noticed how Kevin acts? I've noticed how Kevin acts. Yeah, you see that? I see that. Boy, I tell you, someone should talk to Kevin. That's not what these folks do. They speak the truth and love promptly, quickly, and privately. They take the principle taught in Matthew 18. Again, Jesus teaches us a principle that if there's something between us, I go to you directly. I don't make any other stops on the way. If I see something in your life, I say something to you, not about you, to you. This is what people, brothers and sisters in the family of God, can do for each other, must do for each other. I speak it privately, personally, if at all possible. I don't send you a text, dude, your life is like hitting the rails, totally concerned about you. First of all, don't talk like that in the first place, but then don't text it. Don't text it. Maybe you've received an email from someone who has a problem with you, and they spend four or five scrolls telling you what their problem is with you. Has that been helpful for you or no? Not as much. So why would you do that? What the Bible teaches is you go directly to them privately. You don't, you don't make any stops on the way. As much as possible, do it face-to-face. Because there's something about being face-to-face where you can see my heart on my face. You can see that I'm with you and for you, and I'm concerned about you. You can feel the love I have for you when we're sitting together across the table from each other, over a meal with each other, way better than you can through a text, a call, or an email. People who speak the truth in love well do it promptly, but they do it privately, directly to that person. And finally, I've noticed that people who've done this well in my life take the whole teachings of the scriptures and they not only speak it promptly, privately, but they speak it prayerfully. They speak it prayerfully. They don't take lightly how real this stuff is. I mean, you saw what James said in James 5. We literally have the power and potential to spare someone's life from death and in so doing can help them avoid and avert the number of sins that tend to pile up on top of sins. And that's not something to walk lightly upon. And if you're the type of person that just says, I just like to speak the truth, and I come in guns blazing, I'm going to tell them like it is. Just go for a walk around the block for a minute. Ask God if that's how he's asking you to speak this truth. Again, this truth is not about you, it's about them. So take a second. God, how do you want me to say this? God, will you give me your heart for this person? God, will you stir up anything in me that I need to pay attention to that I see in them? 
God, where is it in my heart? Where are the places in my heart where I'm wandering from you? This is not stuff to be treaded on lightly. And so I come to you prayerfully. God, give me the words to say and help me to say only them. I don't try and mask it in a bunch of false encouragement or hide it behind humor. I speak directly in love to that person because I know that God has given me the opportunity to literally change the trajectory of their life with these words. And God may have put you in proximity to someone right now in your life who needs you to speak hard truth with great love. Will you speak it promptly, privately, prayerfully? I think the question that is inevitable for every single one of us, again, who would call ourselves Christians and who are serious about following Jesus and living in a community. This is not a private faith. Please don't believe that about your faith, that it's a private endeavor. No, this is a community endeavor. We work this out together. And so for those of us who are going, I want to do that, I want to follow God, how does that look like? The next question for us to consider as we look towards this next week and look around the course of our life is this, simply, who do I need to speak truth to right now? God, who is it that you have put in my path? Who have you put in my life? God, that I know, as, as I've been talking here today, God is putting a name on your heart and in your mind. You go, doggone it, I know it. I've seen it. I've seen the pattern. I've seen them walking down that path. I see something. God, who do you want me to say something to? How do you want me to say it to them? Maybe it's someone in your circle of friends. Maybe it's a roommate, a coworker. Who is it that God has put in your path, in your life, to speak truth in love to? About a month or so ago, I had the opportunity to do this with someone I love deeply, a close friend of mine. And what was hard for me is I saw kind of a pattern in his life that surprised me. It wasn't what I expected of him. It kind of came out of nowhere. And that's probably why I think God allowed me to see it, because it was not like the, who I knew him to be. And so I thought about, okay, God, how, how am I going to do this, and how am I going to say this? And, you know, I probably thought about it maybe a little too long. But I knew at some point I go, okay, God, I know that you, you're inviting me to speak a hard truth to this person. And it, it might change the trajectory of our friendship, but it might save the trajectory of his life. And so I set up a time, hey, can we get together? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, what's up? Oh, tell you, when, tell you when we get there. I mean, it was, you know, I'm trying to do this because I know this is what God's invited me into. And so we got to Starbucks and we sat there and I knew my temptation would be to do small talk and to stall and to stall and to stall. And I knew that God had given me the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit to just go right into it. Hey, man, I want to let you know. I love you. You're a close friend. I care about you. You matter to me. And I want to let you know I see something in your life. And there's a particular area in his life I think he just had lost perspective on. And I had to look across the eyes of my friend and go, look, I think you've lost perspective. I think you were wandering away from what God has created you for. And I want to tell you that because I love you and because I want to help. Is there anything in there that, that resonates with you? As I say this, is there anything that you hear and go, man, that, I think there's something in that. And I'm not going to tell you it was like an easy conversation. It was an hour and a half conversation. 
But we got to a point in the conversation where he goes, you know what? I want to pay attention to that. I want to listen to that. And I know in a small way now, as I've been preparing for our time here together this week, and as I think back on what God invited me and and actually expected me to do in that relationship, is simply this. I had an opportunity to speak into the trajectory of someone's life. And what if I hadn't? What if I didn't? What might have happened? Who knows? I don't know. I just knew that I had to be faithful to the person that God had put in front of me to speak the truth in love. I've learned a lot from my wife, Jeannie, when it comes to this principle of doing this well. She speaks the truth in love so well. In fact, when she left the previous church we had worked at, our whole staff got together. They flew in from all over the country to celebrate her, people she'd worked with throughout the years. And one of them paid her one of the highest compliments I've ever heard said. He said, Jeannie, you loved me enough to tell me the truth. You were the first person in my life to love me enough to tell me the truth. And she kind of has this model that she uses when it comes time, and it will come time, potentially even this week for you, to speak the truth in love. She uses this simple little mantra, love, lead, love. Love, lead, love. The conversations that she has where she knows she has to speak a hard truth into someone, she starts with loving them and leading them then and then loving them. Look, she's really good at this because she has had a lot of practice on me. And so I want to share that wisdom with you. Love, lead, love. Start by letting them know, I love you, I care about you, you're my friend. Hey, I'm coming to you because I care about you. They're going to feel defensive, they're going to feel potentially shame, they're going to feel fear, just as you do when someone comes to you, right? It's no different. And so start by saying, I want to let you know, I love you, and I want to just, I want to bring something up. And then lead. Speak that truth. Hey, I could be wrong. I could be missing something. I may not have the whole story, but it seems to me like this continues to happen. Or it seems to me like, in my case, you've lost perspective of this area of your life. It seems to me like you're caught in a broken, unhealthy relationship, and it seems to me like you can't get out. Is that true? Does that resonate with you? That's love, lead, and then love. If so, how can I help? How can I, as your brother or sister, come alongside and help you? What, is there anything I can do? Can we pray together? Can, can we talk about this some more if you'd be open to that? Love, lead, love. There is someone in your life that God has potentially put in your path. Again, those of you who call yourselves Christians, that you're going to have an opportunity this week to love and lead and love. Who do you need to speak the truth to? And then finally, who do you need to seek the truth from? You know, the best truth speakers are actually truth seekers. The best truth speakers are truth seekers. They're not the ones who are so good at calling it like they see it and speaking into people's lives and telling them how to get it all together. They're the people who go, will you speak into my life? Will you help me see what I can't see? They're the ones who go to their friends or their small group and say, hey, is there anything about me that I need to know that I may not be aware of? They're the type of people who seek that truth out. Instead of kidding themselves or denying what is really going on, they seek out that kind of truth. Hey, look, is there anything I need to pay attention to? Our old pastor, Andy Stanley, has a great question for those of us who would be serious about being truth seekers in our relationships from those that we trust. He asks this question of his friends. I think it's a great one for us to steal from him. He asks this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? 
You ever thought about that? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because I can't see that. I, I, I think I'm right all the time. And I think I've got it all figured out. So what's it like to be on the other side of me? And to open yourself up to asking that question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? And in God's loving kindness, knowing that we'd be talking about this this morning, concluding our series on James, he gave me that kind of opportunity this week that I wasn't looking for. I have a friend who I care about very much at this church. And we share a lot of stuff in common. And she's been a part of this church from pretty much day one. And we've been meaning to get together with each other for a while now. We see each other at church, but you know how it is. It's, it, you can't hear anything in that lobby. And so we don't have any meaningful, significant conversation. So it's like, yeah, you know, let's catch up. Let's grab coffee. And her husband and Jeannie and I, we're all friends. And so and I said, let's, let's grab coffee. Okay, let's grab coffee. So we actually set it up several weeks ago. And then it came time the night before for us to get together and grab a cup of coffee. And I realized I had completely double booked. I didn't only double book. I double booked by double booking something else. So I had like two other meetings on top of the one meeting we were supposed to have with each other. And so I texted her real quick. Hey, I just realized I can't make it tomorrow. Is there any way that we can reschedule or get together? Within minutes, her first response back to me in all caps was, ouch. And she goes, we can figure something out. I think, though, we're going to need to talk about something else. And I was like, doggone it, she must have talked to my old boss. Like, this is... <laughs> and I knew exactly what it was. I knew that this was a pattern that I have in my life that God is continually working on in me to follow through on the commitments that I make to people. And when I make something a priority and I tell someone else that it's a priority, to actually literally make it a priority and not double book things on top of it. And so I called her back immediately. Hey, look, I, I think I know what you're going to say, and I just want to let you know I'm sorry. And, you know, kind of went in there. She said, that's fine. We found another time. We sat down to have coffee just the other day, this week. And she was, look, I just want to let you know, it really hurt me when you did that. And the reason I can recognize that in you is because I do that to people a lot. And she said this, and I wasn't sure if it was a compliment or not. She said, you're a wonderful mirror for me to see myself. <laughs> But what it opened up was an opportunity for me to say, hey, is there, anything, is there anything else that you see in me? How am I doing as a friend? How am I doing here? And what's so great is I, I trust her. She's a truth speaker and she's a truth seeker in her own life. And it gave me enough courage to say, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And where I wanted to kind of run away or make excuses or just go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Are we good now? Okay, let's move on. It was an opportunity for growth in me. And literally, it has the potential, as James would say, to save me from a multitude of other sins or hurting other people. I'm so thankful she spoke the truth into me and she's the kind of friend I could seek the truth from. So your homework for this week is, is really simple. You need to have one of those two conversations this week. Who's someone you need to speak some truth into Again, coworker, roommate, small group friend, spouse. That you need to love and lead and love and speak that truth to this week. And for all of us, who is someone you can seek that truth from this week? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Can you imagine what would happen if our church actually focused on that? 
if we actually loved each other enough to speak the truth. And that we didn't give false or fake answers when we asked how we're doing. And we didn't just sort of pretend that everything's going great on the surface. But we were people who were committed to speaking the truth to each other. Brothers and sisters speaking the truth to each other and seeking the truth from each other so that God might actually save us from a life less than what he created us for. If we, as a church, loved that well, I think the world might notice. If instead of throwing and yelling our truth like grenades into the world's bunker, if instead of yelling our truth at others, we lovingly spoke our truth to each other and committed to have genuine, authentic, open, transformational relationships with each other, do you think the world might notice? And words like hypocrite and judgmental just maybe might find their way out of the conversation. God's given every single one of us who claims to be a Christian, who's committed our lives to him, that opportunity, that invitation, that responsibility this week. So who do you need to speak truth to? And who do you need to seek truth from? I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. We're going to take a moment to, to literally sing truth, not just speak truth, but sing truth to God. To allow ourselves to be spoken into from him, from his truth, his word into our lives, and then to declare it back to him of how good he is that no matter how far we may have wandered ourselves, his love never fails and always brings us back. Always brings us back. And so we're going to, as part of our worship, do something we regularly do here. We're going to receive our offering. It's one of the many ways that we sort of put our faith in action, like James has taught us over this month where we acknowledge the blessing in our life and see the goodness that God has poured out into us and we give back to him. And I just want to say to those of you who, at the beginning of our series, we said, you know, look, this may be a place where you're still holding on tightly to God. And what would it look like for you to trust God with your resources and move from just sort of being a, a gripper with your money to being a tipper with your money where you just kind of throw God some money, but to being really, truly a giver? So many of you responded to that and have stepped into the game of putting your faith into action when it comes to your resources. And I just want to let you know as your pastor how proud we are of you. How I know how hard it is. It's hard for Jeannie and I every month. But it's also become one of our greatest joys. And so for those of you who are giving faithfully to the work that God is doing within these walls and well beyond these walls, thank you. We pray that God would continue to increase your joy as you surrender to him. So let me pray for us, then we'll receive our offering and worship and sing to God together. God, thank you. Thank you that you have invited us into being a part of the family of God. And thank you, God, that in your family we play by different rules. In your family, God, we speak the truth to each other. And we lovingly welcome and accept and even seek out the truth to be spoken into our lives. God, we don't want to deceive ourselves and try and pretend like we can deceive you, God. We want to be books that are open, accessible and available, God, to you and to the world around us. God, we thank you for your truth that has literally set us free. It is available to every single one of us today. God, I pray that we would not just hear your truth, but this week we would speak your truth and seek your truth in our lives in our relationships. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.